So John 8, verse 12, this is God's holy and infallible word. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There are literally dozens of names, titles for Jesus in the Bible. Around Christmas time, right, we often talk about Isaiah calling him Emmanuel and Prince of Peace. Uh, We also read that he's the living stone. Each one of those many, many titles says something wonderful about who he is for us. And in this little series, we're focusing on some titles of Jesus, and they're all what we call uh, from the I am statements that are in the book of John. And these titles came straight from Jesus' own lips while he walked on this earth. I am is the special name of God that he spoke to Moses back in Old Testament times in Exodus 3 at the burning bush. It means I am, I was, I will be. It has all of that packed into this word. It's it, present, past, future. In other words, God's saying, I'm eternal. I'm your covenant God. He's telling Moses to tell the people back then who comes in relationship to you. But I am also beyond what any human being could ever grasp. And with each of these I am statements that we're looking at, Jesus is saying, I am fully God. And he's also giving us a characteristic of himself for our encouragement as we live in this world. We saw I am the bread of life. Now I am the light of the world. What is Jesus saying to us here? I think he's saying, first, I bring light in the darkness. This title reveals Jesus, but on the other side, it reveals there is darkness. And the darkness that the Bible talks about is especially the darkness of sin, which leads to eternal separation from God if that sin is not taken care of, as Jesus says, not too many verses after the ones that we read. And we can think of examples of sin in the world without too much trouble. Whether it's like corruption from governments or political leaders, injustice in society, those are sort of big picture sin when we're talking government and leaders and society as a whole, but we also know very well about sin in the lives of individuals. Uh, We also know just in our own homes, we see evil played out in movies or on TV. So tragedies in the world also remind us that there is darkness here in the world. Uh, This past week, 
It was the 34th anniversary of the explosion of the, of the space shuttle Challenger, and if you were alive at that time, like me, you remember where you were when you heard that, or maybe you saw it happen live. Speaking of tragedies also, uh, I know many of you know that I've been uh, an L.A. Lakers basketball fan since I lived in Southern California during high school and college. And last Sunday morning, after going uh, to church earlier, retired Lakers star Kobe Bryant died tragically in a helicopter crash, and also one of his four daughters and seven other people died. And many of you over the last, from Sunday night to even this morning, have reached out to me about that, uh, knowing that I'm a Lakers fan, that it's probably the athlete I've most closely followed in my life after uh, my girls. Uh, so I appreciate you reaching out to me very, very much. Um, so that sudden death was a shock. And if you just, all you had to do was look at the news, go online, go on TV, wherever, to see just how many expressions of grief and of remembrance that there have been in the NBA, but also far beyond that. And as I thought about this and think about this, my, my hope and prayer especially is that as a result of this tragedy, many people, you know, who, who looked up, I mean, he, in Los Angeles, he was a celebrity among celebrities. And, and my prayer is with that great renown and mourning about his passing, that it's going to highlight and wake people up to be prepared to meet the Lord because our death, right, could come sooner than any of us plan on. As jarring as tragedies like this are in the world, we've learned that they happen. This is part of the darkness in the world. But besides the darkness of sin and tragedy out there in the world, uh, it's very interesting if we stop to think about where and when and to whom Jesus is talking here. Jesus is speaking to Jewish believers. In other words, he's talking to God's people in his day. And so we can't miss that sometimes there is darkness even among the people of God in the church, not just out there. And Jesus comes on the scene. He's born and he lives during one of the darkest of times in the history of the people of God. The Pharisees, who are speaking and arguing with Jesus before and after this I am statement, they are the religious leaders. Their job was to call people to the Lord, but instead they led people to legalism. Legalism is making the laws of God an end to themselves rather than the grace of God that they point to. Legalism also adds human laws and human requirements to the Lord's law. These Pharisees in Jesus' day had created a dark, oppressive religion. There was a total lack of grace communicated 
to the people. And that kept God's people in darkness. It's no coincidence that just before this in John 12, Jesus shows so much love and grace to a woman who was caught in adultery, uh, a woman that the religious leaders were ready to stone. He shows this grace. In the next breath, he says, I am the light of the world. So in contrast to the darkness of living a faith that has no grace, the light shines, the grace of our Savior Jesus. And something similar to all of this, God's people, darkness, legalism, lack of grace, something similar to all that happened during the Middle Ages. There was a darkness in the church, and that brought out the need for a great reformation, and God raised up leaders who brought his people back to the light of God's word, of God's grace, and of God's Son. Is the light shining in, in the church today? Is the light shining at Faith Church today? When people in the church family or, or outside of our church family who, who come in and connect, when, 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 when people fall or when they fail in life, when they sin, are we shining the light of his grace and his love and his word in those situations? And, and where we've failed at that, may God forgive us and may we be sure that we're shining Jesus' light in this place and beyond, just as he shines his light on us. Jesus comes as the light in the midst of the darkness in the world, darkness that sometimes, and we've seen it in history and, and sometimes today, the darkness that can even sometimes be in the church among God's people, and he shines in the midst of the darkness in each one of us. And as we think of the darkness, uh, we've got to acknowledge that we are sinners, that we dabble in the darkness, and we even seem to get lost in the darkness sometimes, and that our hearts can have dark corners. And so we ask the Spirit to open us up to the light of the one who came to defeat our darkness through his coming. And through his suffering, death, and resurrection, he brings us the light of life, and we're called to humbly receive him, the light. And, and so Jesus doesn't just come for people out there who are in darkness, but he comes for us who are in darkness. And we've really missed what Jesus is saying to us if we miss the fact that we need Jesus' light ourselves desperately. Jesus is also saying to us here that he is the light. There's a world of difference between being a light of the world and being the light of the world, as Jesus says here. We talk about being lights in the world and that there are people who are lights in the world, right? Uh, and it seems like a lot of people today kind of pick and choose from the various lights the world has known. And each person kind of forms this hodgepodge religion 
for themselves to follow. You know, it's kind of like a buffet. They, they, they take a bit from here, a bit from there, and, and people will say stuff, you know, I, I've looked into this a little bit. The, the life of Buddha, of the Buddha, was so inspiring. And do you know some of the wise words that he said? And people will pick up a little Oprah self-love. Uh, they admire the Bill and Melissa Gates Foundation that provides for people all around the world. And, and they sort of get the idea of, oh, giving back is a good thing to do. And from Kobe Bryant, they pick up uh, his mamba mentality work ethic and and before you know it people have uh their own little plate of man-made religion everything on that plate is stuff that they've picked because they like it and that's how they live i do think right when we think about lights in the world that to a certain extent we can take the good and we can learn from people in this world People who inspire us in different ways. The danger is when we're not discerning and just take what feels and looks right to us. And that's where we can get off track really quickly. Instead, we want to be looking at the world from the perspective of the light of the world, Jesus. And that's where the importance of of the church comes in. And Christians not trying to go it alone. But, right, in in a faithful church, we have leaders who are ensuring biblical and relevant to our lives worship, ensuring Bible studies and, and small groups so that we can listen and discuss and personally apply God's word so that we can keep our heads on straight in this world and so that we're all equipped to be discerning. Another thought, uh, a third thought, uh, with this statement, Jesus is telling us also, I have come. The light has come. The very first words God spoke in the Bible are, let there be light. The very first action God took was separating the light from the darkness. And there was light before even the sun, moon, and stars in the beginning, because God is light. And, and that was the case in the beginning. And the Bible tells us that's how it's going to be in the future in heaven. Revelation 21.5, the inhabitants of the city of God will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. Darkness came into the world through the fall of Adam and Eve. Sin is spiritual darkness. People are lost The light has been rejected that God brought into the world, but yet the Lord brings his saving light to his people. In John 7, that's the chapter right before the one we read from, the Jewish people of Jesus' day are celebrating one of their feasts. And this one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And one of the main visuals that God wanted for that feast was light. And that was to reflect his glory and also to look back to the wilderness wanderings of God's Old Testament people and how God led them safely through all the way by day with the pillar of cloud and by night with the 
pillar of fire. So during this feast, in the outer court of the Jewish temple, stood four, like, candelabras, like, large torches. They were lit um, every night of the week at this week-long feast, and they were, like, 80-plus feet tall. Trying to think of how to how to picture eighty feet. Um, it's about as tall as the standard length of a high school basketball court. I don't know why I thought of a basketball court, but um, but I think you know I think it's probably at least twice as tall as the highest point in our church's ceiling. The you know the the, the spire is above that. But don't quote me on that. There are guys who can estimate a lot better than that. I think it's about twice as high as that for sure. These candelabras were filled with oil, and they were lit to create this huge torch that could be seen anywhere in the city. And I've got a a depiction of what that looked like in Jesus' day for you to check it out. There's also around a number of other little lights. Lights were a big part of the feast. So this would light up that whole outer temple area and beyond. They say the light was so high, it was so bright, that it, it, it reached basically every courtyard in the city of Jerusalem. On the last day of the feast, one of those candelabras, or whatever you want to call them, was left unlit. And that was to symbolize the promised Savior, the Messiah, the light of God who had not yet come into the world. Sounds like Advent candles, huh? Jesus says, immediately after this all happened, and after that last night with one of those unlit looking to the Messiah to come, he says, I am the light of the world. I have come. I'm here. The Savior. Do you see me? Have you accepted me? Or do you reject me? Finally, Jesus extends an invitation to us this morning. He says, follow me, the light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Psalm 119 has a famous verse that we often sing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we think of thy word referring to the Bible, and that's true. But John 1 says Jesus is the word. And so it's ultimately Jesus who is our lamp, and it's Jesus who lights your path. Imagine being in in a dark woods, far from the city. I've had different experiences of that in my life. The most recent one was a few months ago at Faith's Men's Retreat. Pastor Matthew and I arrived on that Friday after dark. We weren't even that deeply into the woods or that far outside of like civilization. Um, the, The tents weren't that deep into the back of the campsite, but the only way to find the tents that the guys had nicely set up for us and prepared for us was with a flashlight. Or, you know, the tents were really so close to where we parked that you could 
turn on your car headlights and they'd shine in there and then you could walk and see. But other than that, without light, we would not have seen those tents. It was that dark. But in Bible days, to see in the dark, um, they didn't have high beam headlights as an option, obviously. They didn't have flashlights. Uh, the, mo- the best option for most people was to carry an oil lamp. And I think, do I have a photo? I do have that. Okay. And there was just a single flame. So when Jesus says he's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and when it says that in Psalm 119, that's the picture of light that we should have. No high beam lights. Now, a single flame can be seen by others from quite a ways away in the pitch black, and that's the power of even a single light, like each one of us living for Jesus in this world. But for the person using this little oil lamp, all that's going to be lit well is the area right around them. Right? Even if you had a torch, which would be a step up from this, that would still be true. Probably you could see only a few feet ahead of you on your path at the very most. So what what does that mean? I, I think it means that following Jesus doesn't mean he shows us our life's path for the next three years. He doesn't show us what's ahead even three months down the road. He wants us to follow him, to walk in his light, and depend on him for right now. Right now. That's all we need. Even though we'd like to know every turn in the bend of our lives coming, every uphill, rocky climb we're going to have in our lives. But when he says, follow me, he's calling us to be content with following him right now. Don't, Don't worry about what's down the road. It's best if you don't know. You're going to have some hard stuff, but the light will be there in the midst of it. And, and the light of Jesus that we have for each day will, will see us through our whole future journey, and we trust that he knows what's best in giving us the light we need for today. That's what we need. Simply trusting Jesus Every day, trusting Jesus, that is all. We do that as we journey to a future in that celestial city where the light of the sun is going to outshine the light of the sun, moon, and stars. I want to ask, I don't want to take too much time with this, but a few sort of diagnostic questions we could call them as we head into the prayer. I'm not going to say much about them. I'm going to read them, and I'd like you to just spend a little time reflecting as we think about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Where have I been dabbling in the darkness in my life? Is the Spirit convicting you of anything in particular? And are any of the lights that inspire me in this world distracting me 
from the light, Jesus. There, there, there are folks that have done wonderful things and who are wonderful examples. There are people we admire, and that's fine, that's good, but not if anything in this world is distracting us from Jesus, right? Am I content to trust Jesus' light for each day, or do I often worry about the path ahead of me? Let's just leave those up there, and what I want to do, I'm going to lead us in prayer, but I want to start with just a, a little, not too long, just a little time of, of silent prayer where, you know, if you feel a need to uh, repent of something or a need to commit or recommit to the light today, you have an opportunity to do that in a, in a silent prayer. Let's pray. O light of the world, be our light. Each one of us be the light of this church so that we can shine brightly with a light that's even greater than those 80-foot-tall torches at the Feast of Tabernacles because it's the light of Jesus that goes out far and wide. May we be owning that light, living in that light, and shining the light in all that we do. We ask your blessing for this in Jesus' name. Amen.